Well, may the Lord be with you. The disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. They want to know how to pray. And in this passage of Scripture, Christ would have us know that God does not intend to have prayer, how to pray, be a secret. So in other words, that's really good news because we don't have to go off to live in a a monastery for six months to a year, though maybe for some of us that seems kind of appealing. We don't have to read a lot of books on prayer, even though they may be helpful. We really don't need them. They may be nice, but we don't need them. In fact, Jesus' prayer is no secret at all, and how to do it is not supposed to be a secret, and prayer is to be so accessible that even children should be taught to do it and encouraged to do it. In fact, our kids all said they were self-taught. They didn't need adults teaching them how to do it. Jesus' disciples needed some help. So what is prayer? Prayer is at least the following. Prayer is communing with God in thought, in presence, in words, in conversation, and even in song and music. There's an old saying, if you sing a hymn, you've prayed twice. The content of prayer aren't limited to these, but especially praise, thanksgivings, and petitions, all of which we pretty much did earlier in the service. Prayer can be spontaneous. Just a spontaneous outpouring of words, of thoughts to the Lord. It could be a spontaneous conversation with God. Prayers can also be written. We've done written prayers during this service. I come from a tradition where written prayers are kind of considered inferior to spontaneous prayer. As someone who came from a spontaneous prayer tradition, I can tell you that there were many of those spontaneous prayers that weren't as anointed, weren't as empowering as written prayers. Let me give you a few actually written prayers that have really spoke to me and to many others as well. The first one is St. Patrick's Breastplate. This was the prayer that St. Patrick of Ireland would go out when he was preaching the good news among the Druids of Ireland, facing death, facing the powers of witchcraft and curses and He would pray before he went out, Lord, I bind myself today to the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three in one, the one in three. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ within me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ at my right. Christ at my left. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity the invocation of the same, the three in one, the one in three. Amen. Here's another prayer that you're probably familiar with. I think it's a very powerful written prayer. It's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, 
Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Can we all say amen to that? And finally, this is by an American theologian, pastor, Richard Niebuhr. Do you know who he was? You'll know who he was when we pray this prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Now do you know who Niebuhr was? Of course you do. You recognize that very famous prayer. Some of the most powerful prayers are written prayers. And in fact, you can find very powerful written prayers in the pages of where? Holy Scripture. And probably the most powerful prayer in the pages of Scripture is the Lord's Prayer. And these are what we call memorized prayers. We have spontaneous prayers, written prayers, and memorized prayers. One of my favorite memorized prayers is from the ancient church. And it's the Gloria Patri. Glory to the Father. Patri, Padre. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Speaks to God's eternalness and how the world in some form, shape, or way will never end due to God's power and faithfulness. It's a beautiful prayer. It comes from the ancient church. And of course, there's the Lord's Prayer. We've all memorized it. I remember being at a funeral of young adults many, many years ago and said the Lord's Prayer together. And I could see so many young adults, and I know many of them didn't even grow up in church, and they were saying the Lord's Prayer with me. It was very powerful, powerful experience. The Lord's Prayer is a memorized prayer, but it's also intended to be a model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model for a way that we can pray. We memorize the prayer and then we can use it as a model. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, Give thanks and praise to the Lord. Hallow his name. Proclaim his glory. And then we continue on with the model. Whatever prayer form we use, the plain teaching of Scripture, of the church, and the apostles is that we are expected to pray. God wants you to have a vibrant, productive prayer life. Not because it's a heavy load to consume you, to consume your time, to cramp your style, but God wants you to have a prayer life because it's good for you. In prayer, God helps your life. God hears and answers your prayer. Prayer is also a way that you get to participate directly in the kingdom of God. We pray for people in India. How many of you have ever been to India? Just me, right? You can go to India in your prayers and pray for the Indian church. A church that's poor. A church that's simple. A church that's oppressed. You can also participate in God's kingdom work in other ways through prayer. But despite the, the well-known fact that there's no secret to, to how to pray, because the Lord clearly teaches us to pray, and even, 
Even children can pray without being taught, with being self-taught, in spite of the fact there's no secret to prayer, in spite of the fact that it's good for us, it's good for our lives, it's good for the kingdom of God. Think about this. How many people do you know have a hard time praying? They're hindered in prayer. They have trouble finding time to pray. They have, they have trouble settling down to pray. They have trouble finding the words to pray. Even though they may very well know the Lord's Prayer by memory in the brief moments we have together this afternoon, encourage you by showing you some ways that you can unleash the blessing of prayer into your life. First way to unleash the blessing of prayer is to have a correct understanding of how God works. I think many people get discouraged from praying because they don't get what they ask for. Have you ever talked to people or even thought this yourself? I pray and pray and pray and, and nothing happens. I'm just discouraged. And I'm not saying this is the only reason, but I think one major reason is people don't get what they ask for in prayer is because they pray with a misunderstanding of who God is and who God, how God works. I'd like to suggest to you that you refrain from asking God to violate people's free will. Now, I'm not saying God will never do it, but typically God doesn't violate people's free will. How many of us who have an adult children would like to be able to tell our adults what to do against their will? We'd love to, but we know that for them to be adults and for them to be mature, we have to step back and let them make free will decisions. And in some ways, parents, we lose the power to make our kids do what we want to do anyhow once they become adults, right? But over the years, and I'm not referring to anyone in this congregation, but over the years in ministry, I've counseled with women who have complained to me and to my wife, Cheryl, that they don't feel their husbands love them anymore. They don't feel their husbands pay attention to them. They don't feel special. They, they don't feel like their husbands spend enough time with them and talk to them and say kind words to them. And I've noticed that some of these wives will get very discouraged. And I, I know that they've been praying for their husbands, but I think sometimes they pray for their husbands, Lord, make my husband love me again. Lord, Cause my husband to open his heart to me and it doesn't happen. Because they're praying against the violation of their husband's free will. When we pray, realize that people have free will. And so we need to pray according to God's will. And God's will, generally speaking, is not to violate the free will of people. Lord, I want you to grow this church and I want you to grab a couple unwilling people and bring them in tomorrow. He's not going to do that. So how can we pray? Lord, would you invite people to this church? Would you convict them of their need to be here? Would you make this church visible? Would you put it on their hearts and minds so it actually gets annoying to them? Because they're supposed to be here. You're calling them. Praying for your husband. Praying for your kids. Pray according to their free will. Lord, would you strike their free will in such a way as that they turn their attention to you. We get upset because people don't get saved. 
People get saved because they respond to God. We need to pray that God would pour out His Spirit on people so that they can respond. Convict people of their sin. Convict people of what righteousness is. Convict people that judgment is coming upon the earth. You're going to die sooner or later and you're going to face judgment because it's appointed unto people once to die and after that what? To face judgment. It's an urgent matter. So we need to pray the will of God. In the longer version of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. People often get discouraged in prayer because they don't pray according to God's will or according to the way God works and who God is. For instance, God is not your piggy bank. He's not your sugar daddy. And I'm sorry, young adults, but many young adults relate to God as if He's a sugar daddy. I remember being very young, maybe fourth grade, I began to pray and I said, I'm going to pray every night before I go to bed. I prayed I would get a motorcycle. Every night. I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and prayed and I didn't get a motorcycle. And I got very angry at God. I got upset. I was mad. And I said, God, I'm not praying anymore because you don't give me what I want. How many so-called teachers of the Word of God are telling their flock to pray that way? Pray until you get it. And if you stand on what you're praying for and you believe in it and you name it and you claim it, you're going to get it. And how many of those people, when they don't get it, they give up on God? Because He's not your piggy bank. Jesus didn't say, give us this day our daily Rolls Royce. Give us this day our mansion. Give us this day our Swiss bank account. He said to pray, give us this day our needful bread. That's the literal translation. Our needful bread. What's needed? If God would have given me a motorcycle, whew, can you imagine the trouble that I would have got into with it? Yeah. And some of you know that I'm a little accident prone, especially when I was little. I got some scars from motorcycle riding. It's a good thing I didn't get one. And many people get discouraged by prayer because God doesn't seem to answer because they pray as if God should bend a knee to them. At the name of Jesus, your knee will bow. Not Jesus' knee bows to you. God doesn't bow His knee to you. But many people seem to have this idea that if they pray in a mechanical or a certain theological way, that they can get God to do what they want God to do. If I pray X, Y, and Z, and then God gives me what I want because I prayed the right way. I could take the sinner's prayer, go down to the local metro station, and tell people, if I give you $10, will you read this prayer? Lord Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner, blah, 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 I accept Christ in my heart, blah, blah, here's $10. Does that save them? It's mechanical. The form's all there, all the right words. It's not prayed out of relationship. It's not prayed out of grace. If you can't achieve your salvation through, through a mechanical prayer, through a formula of prayer, how can you achieve anything else except by cooperating with the grace of God? It's about God's grace. 
There is no secret to how to pray, folks. There's no secret. It's in the Lord's Prayer. It's the model prayer. It's a prayer that we all memorize because it's a model for how we should pray. There's no secret to it. But there is a mystery to how prayer works. Let me repeat that. There's no secret on how to pray, but there's a mystery on how prayer works. We think about the attributes of God. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all-everything. He's everlasting. And God is what theologians call sovereign. God is sovereign. Somehow a sovereign God uses the prayers of His people to accomplish His kingdom work in the world. That's a mystery. Read as many books as you want on prayer. The author who claims to know exactly how God works with prayer, I'm sorry they're lying to you. Because prayer is a mystery. A sovereign God uses the petitions, the thanksgivings, the praises, the entreats of His people to accomplish His work. Why does God, have you ever thought or have you ever asked anybody or has anybody ever said to you, why does God need us to pray? If God already knows what's going to happen, if God is already in control. Someone asked me once, God's in control of everything, right? There were some other ministers in the room at the time and I said, well, God is sovereign. <laughs> well, what's the difference? I took a deep breath. I go, well, in sovereignty, there's a lot of mystery. How God can be sovereign and you and I can have free will. Somehow it all works out. There's a mystery. Listen, I think this is one of the attributes that makes our church, yes, a mind-altering church. In many ways, I believe this church is a mind-altering church because we are comfortable with mystery. When you're comfortable with mystery, you're comfortable with God. And when you're not comfortable with mystery, you have to put God in your box. So you can pick Him up, shake Him around, and get Him to do what you want so He can bend a knee to you. God says, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are not your ways. To unleash the power and blessing of prayer in your life, understand who God is and how He works. And then pray not just for your needs to be met, but also pray for God's kingdom needs to be expressed. Now all of us here can pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then we can go on and say the rest about forgiving sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. We can do all that. But really, in our practical life, where are most people hung up in that Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. God wants us to pray that, but that's where we're kind of focused. We know the whole prayer, but we're kind of locked in on that. You know, Nate and I were in some places in India where people were just on their knees praying, Lord, daily bread, daily bread. How many of us are like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to eat. I don't know if I'm going to have a roof over my head tomorrow. I don't think many Americans are in that boat. Do you? And so when you're 
when your needful bread, when your daily needs are met, you tend to feel self-satisfied and secure, don't you? I mean, I'll admit it, I do. I have all my needs met. I have kind of everything I need. There's a lot of things that I want, but I got all my needs met. See, a lot of people are locked into this prayerlessness because they're self-satisfied and secure because God has answered that prayer about meeting their daily needs. And then they turn prayer off in their life. They forget about God, and the only time they go back to prayer is when there's a crisis. And again, I'm picking on young adults today, but I see a whole generation of adults who are young adults who are professing faith in Jesus, and really the only time that they get excited about God, we see them turn to God, we see them turn to the church is when they're having a crisis in their life. Then they need God, the crisis manager, to come in. And so they pray, Lord, fix it, fix it, help, help, help. But God helps them fix it. And then what do they do? What do they do? We've seen it over and over and over again. They stop praying. They stop being faithful to the Lord. God is not your crisis manager. Even though God is good, God makes His rain fall on the just and the unjust, God's just good to everybody. There's a saying that those who live prayerless are living careless. When St. Patrick went out to preach to the Druids in Ireland, oh yeah, he put on that breastplate. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. Because he, he, he wasn't going to live carelessly because he knew that without God's grace, he was in peril. And people who are prayerless are living in peril. Maybe not peril for their eternal souls. I'm not going there. But they're living in peril. When you're not trusting God, when you're not working with God, when you're not cooperating with God's grace, you're living in peril because you're living on autopilot, you're jumping in the river of life, and you don't know when the next waterfall or rapids will come. So once you have all these daily needs met, then start praying for others. Give us this day our daily bread. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Start praying. Lord, let thy kingdom come. Start praying for others. And when you pray for others, don't pray, violate free will prayers. Pray what God will do and realize that they have to cooperate with God's grace. And then, and then once you do that, begin to step out in faith and begin to do kingdom things that can only be done with the help of the king. A lot of times the reason we become prayerless in our life is because we're not doing anything that requires faith. And faith is risk. And when we're taking risk, we need God, right? So pray just not for your needs, but pray for the kingdom of God to be expressed. I was reading a book about prayer. I'm not saying not to read books about prayer. I think you should read books about prayer. You don't have to, but I think it's a good thing. I was reading a book about prayer, and the author had a ministry of what's called being a soul friend, also known as a spiritual director. Someone you come to and talk about how your, your life with the Lord is going and things like this. And so the spiritual director made an appointment with someone who wanted to see her, and this was their first meeting, and it was another lady. And this lady came to the spiritual director, and the spiritual director asked, how often do you pray? And the woman answered the spiritual director with a very guilty and forlorn expression. You know, I, I just don't pray very much at all. Maybe two or three times a week, 
where I can really find the time to get away and get by myself and get in my prayer closet, you know, getting in there and praying. And the spiritual director asked this very guilty woman, very guilty woman, shame on her for only praying in her prayer closet three times a week. Well, what about the other times in your life? Are there any other times when you pray? And the woman answered, oh yeah, I pray all the time. I pray in my car when I'm driving. I pray while I'm doing chores. I all these times that she's doing everything, she says she's continually praying. But then after she lists all these times she's praying, she tells the spiritual director, but those don't count. <laughs> the spiritual director goes, what do you mean they don't count? Of course they count. God wants you to pray because it's good for your life. Because it unleashes the blessing of God and His kingdom life into your life and in the lives of others. Pray when you're taking a walk. Pray when you're doing the laundry. Keep praying. Pray through the day. Jesus said this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. This week, don't give up on prayer. Continue to open the door of prayer in your life. May the Lord help us to do it. Amen.